Good oral health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable, and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body, and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more, and we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey, and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are, because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy. Because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about understanding child's craniofacial growth and development as a key to lifelong well-being. So what do you need to know about facial growth and development and identifying potential problems that could affect your child's comfort and appearance and their health overall? Issues with facial growth and development, like misaligned teeth or jaws, can lead to eating, speaking, sleep, behavioral issues in everyday life, and it has been connected to ADHD. ADHD and sleep-disordered breathing, because the tongue does not fit where it's supposed to, are interrelated and have identical symptoms. Over time, these issues can cause significant damage to overall health if not properly addressed they can affect sleep and behavior, and they have detrimental environmental effects that impact growth of the cranial facial respiratory complex, starting with how and what you feed your baby. So we started noticing these changes during the agricultural revolution. We used to nurse until our babies were three or five years old. There were no bottles. If infants couldn't nurse, they had tongue ties, they had all these issues, they died. They did not survive. So while evolution has been great and we're living longer, we're not living healthier. So a better understanding of the structures of the mouth and the jaw allows us to predict problems that might be resolved earlier with successful interventions, which may include treatments like a myomunchie, orthodontic expansion, or oral facial exercises. So myofunctional therapy, I talk a lot, is about muscles of the face and the mouth and what's happening with your tongue. When we develop the tongue and the breathing, if that's not developed correctly, it affects our child's airway. The roof of our mouth is the floor of our nasal sinuses. So when we bottle feed, what happens is the tongue is not up in the roof of our mouth. It's low and the palate grows more vaulted. There's not enough room for the tongue. So just having the tongue up when you swallow acts as a natural palatal expander. So not everyone can bottle feed. And it's not just about the nutrition you get. It's about what is happening with your tongue. So if you can't nurse, there are things that you can do with your child to get their tongue in the roof of their mouth and help that growth and development. So there are underlying causes of malocclusion that dramatically affect the progressive changes of the masticatory system. So less chewing has created weak facial muscles and atomical structures that are poorly developed and create a compromised airway. So basically what that means as we need our kids chewing, we used to chew four hours a day because we lived off the land. And we didn't have softer, more processed foods using our tongue to smash the foods. We actually had to use our teeth and chew. 
So this philosophy of treatment is an integrated health approach to educate parents and patients about the intricacies of malalignment in teeth and understanding how important your teeth are to the health of your body, to creating beautiful, natural, healthy faces that frame the function of the muscles and create this viable airway. So malocclusion could potentially cause a manifestation of sleep-disordered breathing, creating facial distortions, altering the environment, and have a negative impact on growth and development and the craniofacial respiratory complex. So in layman's terms, what that means is, is we need to get our kids eating properly, getting the tongue up in the airway, making sure that their tongue is functioning the way they should as an infant, starting them chewing, chewing on carrots, chewing on meats. I know that a lot of times we're worried that kids are going to choke, but when they get their tongue up correctly, their tongue protects their airway so they don't choke. And we can watch our kids and cut up smaller, but we need to make sure that they're chewing. So we call that baby-led weaning. Meaning once you start to wean them off of the breast or the bottle, we start to get them chewing and we look at their body. So let's define craniofacial growth and development and how it refers to the changes in structures of the head and face over time. Understanding this process is crucial to how it impacts not just the physical appearance, but also critical functions like breathing, chewing, speech, sleep, and even behavior. Because if you're not sleeping, your kids are not going to behave. Think about it as an adult, how you feel when you're sleep deprived. Do you think your child can tell you that they're sleep deprived and that's why they're cranky and acting out? Probably not. They don't know why. They're just cranky and acting out. So early detection of abnormalities is pivotal for detecting and addressing these craniofacial developments. So it can lead to effective treatments and something that is easy and less evasive rather than waiting until your kids are older and having to crank their palate open. There's a suture that runs down the middle of the roof of the mouth that if you can keep the tongue up can stretch that much less invasive when your child is young with speech, with eating, and it can also affect their self-esteem. So the nose counts for 50% of the upper airway resistance. So if your kid can't breathe through their nose, they're going to develop these things, abnormalities that affect their pharynx and affect snoring, clutching, grinding, sleep apnea. It also includes a deviated septum, polyps, turbinates, adenoids, tonsils. We need to look at all these stuff and look at the nasal pharyngeal region of our children. So if we really want them to be healthy, we need to look at how they're breathing. I teach CPR and until I became a myofunctional therapist, I didn't put all this together. That if our kids don't get oxygen four to six minutes, then it starts to compromise their brain. So think about what's happening if you're a mouth breather as a mom and you're not getting enough oxygen, your baby's not getting enough oxygen, just even in utero. So their craniofacial development happens while they're still growing inside of you. Breathing associated obstructions affect sleep apnea and growth and development of the arch. And it starts as soon as they're in gestation. So studies suggest that obstructive sleep apnea is actual happens because of the lengthening and narrowing of the face because the tongue is down. It's not up in the roof of the mouth. So it's not growing wide like it used to be when we were hunter gatherers. So it's affecting this craniofacial development, creating this predisposed human obstructive sleep apnea. And that's why we're seeing it more because it wasn't diagnosed when we were younger. And now we're trying to figure out what's going on with all of these adults that are needing CPAP machines. And if you're my age, I'm in my 50s, 
they took out premolars, which shrunk us down even more. So my generation is actually suffering more with obstructive sleep apnea, chronic obstructive sleep apnea that is affecting our overall health. So craniofacial development is fluent, influenced by evolutionary heredity and environmental factors. Evolutionary anthropologists are studying our ancestors and they're suggesting that there's this unique evolution that happened that is predisposing us to obstructive sleep apnea. So breathing and sleep and the structure of the skull affects breathing patterns. So abnormal craniofacial development leads to these conditions like sleep apnea, ADHD. And it not only disrupts sleep, it also impacts the overall overall health and the cognitive development. Because when we sleep, that's when our memories actually sink into our brain. That's when we restore our body. So nasal airway starts with the nostrils and extends to the nasopharynx. And what's happening with the airway, which is the tube or the pipe that gets the oxygen and airway flow into our lungs and our blood. So nasal obstruction or congestion are different. And obstruction means that there's an anatomical property that may be able to be reversible. And mucosal swelling of the adenoids or the tonsils or infections or allergies or decongestant is what leads to difficulty sleeping. But nasal breathing during sleep is essential to get adequate ventilation and get those reflexes to help the body maintain the balance that it needs and stabilize the muscles of the airway to avoid mouth breathing. If we start mouth breathing when we're young, it's going to change the way the face develops. So addressing mouth breathing during sleep is essential. And we need to consider that at birth, a child spends 80% of their time during sleep. So by the age of six, if this continues, it's going to affect their sleeping. And then they're going to spend 25% of their day being sleepy. So studies that monitor nasal breathing, normal individuals spend 96% of their sleep breathing through their nose. So when you're breathing through your mouth, think of what happens and how that starts to affect your health. It also affects the shape of your mouth and it can lead to reduced nitric oxide. So nitric oxide happens in the upper airway and it transmits signals through the nose for the pharyngeal muscles and the lungs. Nitric oxide is produced in the nose and it's been clinically proven to create pulmonary vasal dilators and improve oxygen ventilation and getting more oxygen to our brain. Nitric oxide also plays a role in maintaining muscle tone and regulating sleep. So sleep apnea is a silent disease that causes numerous health problems, hypertension, anxiety. 50% of cases are due to not being able to breathe through your nose. So an ENT consultation should be standard when we're looking at people that have sleep apnea or airway resistance. If you routinely feel like you can't breathe through your nose, especially at night when you're sleeping, you could should consider having a doctor look at your nose, having an ENT look at your nose. Your health depends on it. And dental health and alignment of your jaws are critical to monitoring and preventing a lot of these dental issues. So cavities, gingivitis, a lot of it has to do with how you're breathing. And it took me a while to figure this out. But the evolution of our craniofacial structures is encoded in our genes. It can be inherited from generation to generation, especially a tongue tie. And craniofacial development is actually influenced by environmental factors. So scientific journals have brought this to light in looking at environmental 
factors of what's happening, our diet, breastfeeding, nasal obstruction, mouth breathing, looking at all this stuff, it's going to also affect our speech and our hearing because facial development plays a crucial role in how we speak and how we hear. And when we're bottle feeding, if we lay the baby down, sometimes that fluid gets into the ears and then kids are needing tubes in the ears. And that again starts with feeding. So a lot of these abnormalities, speech delays, hearing problems, communication, uh, academic performance are affected by our upper airway and our evaluation. And it's depending on how the epiglottis, the soft palate works, what's happening with our tongue, how are we swallowing? And this is so much more complex than just speech patterns, but it has a physiological impact and it can't be overlooked. Children with noticeable craniofacial abnormalities can experience social challenges and bullying that affect their self-esteem and their mental health. I was one of those children. So this is why I speak to this. And this is why I'm so passionate about this because early intervention is key to supporting their emotional support and social development. And I turned all that inward to me thinking that something was wrong with me and why are kids making fun of me? It wasn't until probably five years ago that I put all of this stuff together. So this is so, so important for our kids. And Kids can be really cruel, especially now with so much social media. You know when you're being left out. Like I didn't know when I wasn't included as a child, but my daughter certainly did. And it affected if kids weren't including her. But she didn't include herself because of bedwetting and not being able to sleep. And so then she wasn't invited and it did become a social issue for me, for her. And I don't want the cycle to repeat. So nutritional and environmental factors can significantly influence craniofacial growth and development, a balanced diet rich in nutrients, a healthy lifestyle, free from healthy habits, not sucking your thumb, not prolonged pacifier use. I broke her of the thumb sucking habit and then she started sucking her fingers, which was even harder to break. And then I was told she would outgrow bedwetting, which she didn't. And I didn't know what was going on with her tongue. And she had to wear braces three different times. She couldn't even get out of braces because of what was going on with her tongue. So having a strategy to identify different environmental factors that can be influencing this craniofacial development will allow us to make better choices to prevent these issues from happening in the first place. So assessing development, shape, size, growth, consistency of the structure. What is the depth of the arch? How, what is malocclusion? Are teeth touching? You should be able to fit a dime or a nickel between baby tooth. Are they having problems with breastfeeding? What's happening with their bite? How are they chewing? How are they swallowing? Are they choking? Do they have sensory issues? Do they not like certain food? Screening your diet, secular changes, breastfeeding, nasal obstruction, mouth breathing, the masticatory function and chewing. All these are things that we should be screening early. And what kind of diet are you feeding? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it consistency? That is the driving force of these craniofacial changes is our diet. And then you have breastfeeding and then you have non-nutritive sucking habits. There are 28 studies that review the changes in craniofacial development related to breastfeeding and non-nutritive sucking habits. And there are studies between bottle feeding and breastfeeding that look into this. Exclusive breastfeeding was defined by obtaining nutrition solely from sucking on the breast, while bottle feeding included feeding both breast and milk and formula. What they found was that it wasn't so much how we fed our infants, it was what is happening with this non-nutritive sucking 
pacifiers, sucking your finger. Studies showed that there wasn't a significant evidence between the association between breastfeeding and malocclusion. But what they did find is that exclusive breastfeeding was associated with decreased incidence of malocclusion. So a lot of babies that are breastfeeding, their tongue is up in the mouth. So the longer you breastfeed, the better that is in developing the arch in the airway. And then non-nutritive sucking habits are associated with a variety of malocclusions like overjet, open bite, posterior crossbite. Non-nutritive sucking habits were found to influence craniofacial dimensions because they happened longer. Prolonged pacifier use, prolonged thumb sucking, prolonged sucking on your finger, sucking on your clothes. We have a lot of sucking habits because we have a lot of sensory issues and kids are wanting to put things in their mouth. So babies learn primitive reflexes through putting things in their mouth, but we're not transitioning and we're not looking at these things. So we need to observe this more and, and look at what's happening with the mouth and what are our kids doing with their mouth. Nasal obstruction and mouth breathing are connected to allergies, to high arches, to decreased volume in air, to narrow maxillary palates, to not having proper occlusion. So it's not just about straight teeth. What is happening? What is happening with the symptom? What is the actual height of the face? Do they have long, narrow faces? Do they have what's called adenoid faces where you have dark circles under the eyes and the face looks longer rather than having this nice developed chin? They call it retronathic mandibles, where it almost looks like they have no neck. They have forward head posture. They might be walking on their toes. Mouth breathing is associated with increased incidences of teeth crowding. So the muscles of mastication are going to be really important, meaning chewing and the movement of what are our kids doing with their jaw. It's believed that this action has a counteraction of the muscles and the bones leading to changes in the craniofacial development. And then there's secular changes, various ethnicities around the world. We have seen the craniofacial dimensions change over time. And the most common pattern is narrowing of the upper airway and more crowding and longer faces. These malocclusions have increased over time and these changes have occurred over the last hundred years, suggesting that you know, these are happening over generations and a lot of it has to do with environmental changes and dietary changes and the urbanization of our foods and it's shaping what our faces look like. The best analogy um, that I have in telling people to wait until all their baby teeth come out is a kid needing glasses. So when I was little, I couldn't see. I did not know that the trees had tops because when I looked up, they looked big. I couldn't see. I was nearsighted. And if they had told my mom, wait until she's older because she's going to need several pairs of glasses, she'll outgrow it. Think of what I would have missed and what I wouldn't have saw. So yes, I might have needed several pairs of glasses and I had several pairs of glasses, but I needed that corrected as a child. So I was able to see same thing is what happens in your mouth. We need to correct that. When I put glasses on and I looked up and I was like, oh, the trees have tops. My mom started crying. She's like, I had no idea you couldn't see. We have no idea our kids can't breathe. Let's not wait until they're eight years old before we start looking at this. 
Malocclusion follows the same pathway. They are suboptimal breathing that is happening to our kids. And this is the best analogy that I could come up with. Dr. Boyd brought this up and I thought this was great because I remember as a kid not being able to see. Well, think about what happens if your kids aren't able to breathe through their nose. They're not going to sleep well. They're going to be cranky. They're going to be irritable. They're going to be having behavioral issues. I not only couldn't see, I couldn't breathe. I had problems with my tonsils. I had sore throats. I got strep throat a lot. When I had my tonsils out, they still didn't check my breathing. And I was definitely a mouth breather. And, you know, I was made fun of as a kid for several reasons. So making sure that we can diagnose this stuff is going to be important. If your kid needs glasses, if they can't see, if their baby teeth touch, if they have a crossbite, meaning that their lower teeth come in front of their upper teeth, our upper teeth should fit over our kids like a box guess what? They are going to need expansion. They are going to grow into other problems. So I wish I would have known when my daughter was two that not having spaces between her baby teeth meant that she was going to have these issues. I didn't realize until she was 13. Think of all that time I wasted and me not knowing this as a dental hygienist, her dad not knowing this as a dentist. Think of all the people we could have helped with these malocclusions. His dad was an orthodontist and Talking to Dr. Boyd, I found out that his dad knew all this stuff. He wrote these papers. We never talked about this stuff at the dinner table. I wish I could go back now and talk to him about these skeletal things that he was seeing in the vertical dimension and the skeletal open bites and what was happening with kids' jaws. We didn't talk about this stuff. I didn't even know to talk about this stuff with him. And I feel like I totally missed out about knowing that you needed to have room for your tongue and that we don't want to wait until kids are seven or eight years old to treat this. There wasn't room for my daughter's tongue when she was two or three. There wasn't going to be room for it when she was seven or eight. And she actually started braces at the age of six. She is 19 and still an Invisalign. That is way too long. And it's affecting her bone height, her root surfaces. Because for me, I think she was in braces too long because we didn't know that this kept going back and forth because of what she was doing with her tongue. So don't let your kid be like mine and suffer through all these things because you didn't know. Share this stuff. If you look at your friends and your family, I have offended friends and family by saying stuff because I can't not say stuff. Now that I know this stuff, I can't unknow it. So in working with Dr. Boyd and talking to Dr. Boyd, he says that when you look at your roof of your mouth, kids should have 28 millimeters by the age of four between those baby molars and then 30 millimeters by the age of five. And then when they get their permanent molars, they should have 31 millimeters. They should have tongue for their tongue and so on. It should grow. When you're an adult, you should have at least 55 millimeters between molars and your tongue should rest on the roof of your mouth. If you put your finger on the roof of your mouth and right behind your front teeth, you have what's called rugae and that's really bumpy, then your tongue is probably down. When your tongue is up, it should be smooth up there, much like when you're in the bathtub and your fingers and your toes are pruny. The roof of your mouth should be pruny like that because your tongue is up. If it's not, your tongue is down. When you stick your tongue out and it has little indentations, it's called scalloping. If your tongue is scalloped when you stick it out, 
then your tongue is resting on your lower teeth and it's pushing on your teeth. So we should be looking at all this stuff. We should be getting our kids chewing harder foods, breathing through their nose, taping their lips shut if they have to, if they can't keep their lips closed, but you got to make sure they can breathe. Make sure that their tonsils and their adenoids are okay and they're not a problem. Do your kids have allergies? Are there environmental allergies? Are they allergic to the dog or the cat that you have that you don't want to get rid of, but it's not good for them because they can't breathe? If they have a gerbil, a dog or a cat, and they have these allergies, look at that stuff. There was a little boy. You can look at it. Dr. Mew pulls this up. What he looked like before his parents got him a gerbil and what he looked like after he started mouth breathing. It changed how he looked. Those are the kids that are being made fun of. Napoleon Dynamite and that open mouth breathing. Do you want your kids to look like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie? Or do you want them to look like Napoleon Dynamite? You can look at pictures of this. You can Google it. When you're mouth breathing, all those airborne pathogens are now getting into your stomach. They're causing GERD because now you're getting air into your stomach. So it's affecting your gut myobiome. Doesn't necessarily mean your kids need surgery if they can't breathe through their nose, but we need to get them to an ENT, an airway orthodontist, a PT, an OT, a chiropractor, a body worker, a myofunctional therapist, someone that can intervene and see what your child needs. When do we need to do this? It's absolutely quantifiable malocclusion if there's no spaces between your baby's teeth, between their baby teeth. If their baby teeth are touching and there's no spaces, there's probably not enough room for their tongue and their tongue is down and they're going to end up with breathing problems, sleeping problems, behavioral problems. There are three dimensions and transverse is the easiest to fix, meaning getting your tongue in the roof of your mouth and the width of the palate. So we need to start looking at our kids as early as six months getting them to start eating raw carrots, chewing more, introducing them to a baby Mayo Munchie. A Mayo Munchie is an appliance that you can give them when they're younger to support their tongue being up, breathing through their nose. And you can Google that, my baby Munchie. It's M-Y-O-M-U-N-C-H-E-E. You can order them a Mayo Munchie. They're about $80. You can talk to a myofunctional therapist. You can book a call with me. We can go over this. But how much of this problem is related to untreated space for the tongue, untreated tongue tie? Not every child needs a release, but you need to know what does their tongue look like and are they functioning properly? It's like building a foundation for your house. You don't build a house on soil. You build a foundation. We need to build a house for the tongue to live in and it starts sooner rather than later. Find a good myofunctional therapist. Find a good airway dentist to be able to assess the risk. If a parent understands this or they're just curious and they want to help their child, then let's start preparing them at ages 6 to 18 months with baby-led weaning, with chewing, with a myomunchie. 30 months of age is the ideal time to treat this, not correct your irregularities of the teeth or straighten the teeth, but to make room for the tongue so that way your child can breathe um, while they're awake, while they're asleep for lifelong health. Get them chewing. I know I keep repeating this, but I've been working with Dr. Boyd and he calls this phase one, part A. He recommends that we start looking at this early. He recommends that we start looking at, is the mom mouth breather before you even get pregnant? But I'm not going to go there right now. He practices in Chicago and he starts seeing kids as soon as they have eight to 10 permanent teeth. So as soon as they get those front permanent teeth, even before they get some of those back teeth, he doesn't wait until they're seven or eight because the roof of the mouth is the floor of the nasal sinus. And we need to use their growth and development, not waiting until they're eight to 10 years old and they have 80% of their growth and development. Many children diagnosed with sleep breathing disorder, obstructive sleep apnea, are also diagnosed with ADHD. And they have certain malocclusions and phenotypes that are related to development. 
So sleep disorder, breathing, ADHD are first detectable in early childhood with the primary dentition. When those baby teeth don't have enough spaces, it's evidence that suggests that that might even be detectable mid-gestational on an ultrasound. So let's look at the dietary changes, at what's happening, at how you're feeding your infant, at baby-led weaning, and look at what's happening with the skeletal dental occlusion. Changes in diet in early childhood, nursing, weaning, and beyond play a role in these skeletal dental malocclusions. And all of this started happening since the industrial revolution. All of these changes affect how we breathe, affect our tongue posture, affect mouth breathing, affect how we swallow, affect sleep, affect behavior. So we really, really need to look at this stuff. Dr. Boyd is a pediatric dentist in Chicago. He has residency at the Lurie Children's Hospital, and he's a consultant for sleep medicine. He focuses on prevention and helping kids breathe, looking at the oral systemic disease, what's happening, how are they eating, what is happening in early childhood, palatal facial development. He talks about this cranial facial respiratory complex. He's an anthropologist, a nutritionist. He looks at all of this stuff. He's got so much knowledge. And this is where I learned a lot of this stuff. If you go to www.dentistry, the number four children.net, you can look him up. I'm lucky that I live in Chicago close to him and I'm working with a family that uh, I'm going with so I can see what's happening and I can offer more of his information to you because poor oral health, speech, eating, smiling, social issues, all of these areas affect life and may cause significant social anxiety, depression, isolation. People with depression are 20 to 30 percent more likely to have missing teeth which then creates problems with chewing, swallowing, health, self-esteem, self-image. So I just want to talk about how important this is going to be for your children. This affected me. So I really want to talk about these changes that are environmental influence and looking at the studies, looking at the relationship between the respiratory complex, environmental changes, craniofacial development, obstructive sleep apnea, the risk, and how it's connected to ADHD. A lot of kids that are being diagnosed with ADHD are not sleeping, guys. We need to focus on these factors that are detrimental to chewing, to body posture, to swallowing, to breathing, to TMJ problems, and understanding that malocclusion is important. And it's not just about straightening teeth. It's about what is happening with your tongue. Where is your tongue? How is your tongue functioning? Understanding and monitoring your child's craniofacial growth development is going to affect their overall health. It's not just about appearance and straight teeth. It's about how are your kids breathing, sleeping, speaking? How are they interacting with the world around them? So my call to action to you is to pay close attention to your child's growth and development. Talk to your pediatricians, talk to specialists, contact me, find a myofunctional therapist, find an airway orthodontist that knows how to address these issues early and effectively. Let's give our children the best start in life by ensuring this craniofacial development and supporting their health, their function, their well-being. So I know I'm on a soapbox and I'm talking about this, but I just want to thank you because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a happy, healthy life and the health and happiness of future generations are important to how we're eating, how we're breathing, how we're sleeping. They say it's going to take three generations of changing how we're chewing and breathing to get back to where we were healthy. If we continue to keep doing what we're doing, we're just going to get 
less healthy. And even though we're going to live longer, we're not going to live as healthy. And who wants that? We all want to live a happy, healthy life, right? So if this was helpful, please share it. The more we can get this out, the better. And as always, thanks for listening. Until next time, click the link below. If you would like to schedule a 15-minute call with me, we can talk more about this or I can get you to someone that can help you if I'm not your person. I'm here to help. Thanks again. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.